Hi Smooches, you're listening to Make Out Already, and this is Meg, here with an episode you've been waiting for, the return of Liz. But this is more like a time capsule Liz. We recorded this episode very shortly before she went into labor a few months ago, so some of our topical references are already a bit dated, and we talk about a TikTok that I simply could not find today, so mea culpa. In this episode, we revisit a couple of our favorite books from when we were very young adults. That's Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging, a 1999 YA novel by English author Louise Renison, and The Princess Diaries, the first book, written by Meg Cabot that came out in 2000. Revisiting our childhoods? I can't imagine that any drama might come up. Stay tuned. Hi Meg. Hi Liz. You look so sleepy. I'm, I I am very sleepy. <laughs> I wanted to ask you if you feel old. Yeah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a concert last night for the first time since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of dissociated the whole time about how how old I felt and like I was looking at all these like young beautiful people there and I was like I'm not one of you. <laughs> you are still young and beautiful. Thank you. But why I, do you ask? <laughs> because we revisited some YA favorites for this episode. Oh, ah, yes. And I certainly feel aged. <laughs> <laughs> so what about it made you feel so aged? Well, I think part of it is just realizing how much I have grown since Mm -hmm. finding these books incredibly relatable good that's good right yeah which is a good thing yeah and also just feeling like wow I am also so far removed from these things Mm -hmm. and have a whole different set of problems and preoccupations and it's weird to think that I possibly read this book 23 years ago wow yeah (laughs) and now it's like you're probably more similar to like any parent characters (laughs) for sure (laughs) how about you uh yeah it was really telling um the things that I remember finding like exciting about Mm -hmm. it um but Mine, I think, aged pretty well. Mine aged, I wouldn't say like milk. It's not all bad. (laughs) But it's like the things that aged well were like, I feel like the heroine in Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging by Louise Renison, her name is Georgia. It reminded me a lot of Davy in Never Have I Ever. So like- Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. The- asshole teenage girl Mm -hmm. is still alive and well so it's aged well in the sense that this is still a trope that resonates with people well sure teenagers are generally assholes assholes (laughs) yeah (laughs) so so, and that's that's how you're supposed to be as a teenager so that's not that much of a dig like you're fine yeah it's all part of it everyone becomes a teenage asshole yeah so um but the things that aged poorly at least weren't like huge parts of the book they were just things that I noticed was like that's cringy in hindsight Mm -hmm. yeah so I read The Princess Diaries by Meg Cabot and I think the reason that I felt like it aged well and I really actually really enjoyed the the reread we'll actually listen to it on audiobook and it's narrated by Anne Hathaway the way I need to listen to that yeah it's it's so good um I think that the reason that it ages so well is because it's written in this diary format from the perspective of a 14 year old girl Mm -hmm. and you you can take her impressions of the world um as like the warped impressions of like a young affluent girl mm-hmm. and not like the views that the reader should hold or that the author holds. 
Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Like the things that she finds important or trivial or, or like worth noting, I think are it makes it more funny to me mm-hmm. that she's like so in her own world um, versus making it like cringe. Yeah. I think that there's some of that with Georgia, and Mm -hmm. I want to say that that was intentional even at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember seeing the cover of your book Mm -hmm. at the library, and I knew it was, like, really popular. I never read it, though. So Mm -hmm. could you tell me about it? Sure. So it's also the diary of a 14-year-old girl. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. I And I think that I've forgotten that a little bit. Um, That's funny that we both read those. So is it a diary or narration? I assume it was diary because she was giving dates and times. Mm. So it, it at least reads like a diary, although some of the time that she enters in new information, it's like, okay, you literally like put down your eyeliner to write this sentence and then mm-hmm. return to what you were doing. Yeah. Which is kind of a funny thing about that format. But yeah. uh, she's English. Mm-hmm. I was very into, I was very much an Anglophile. Mm-hmm. I loved all the slang that she used. And she, like a lot of early aughts girls, is just very preoccupied with her appearance. Mm-hmm. And thinks her parents just are the most far removed from reality human beings imaginable. Mm-hmm. And she has very strong opinions about what her friends do and should do and isn't great at taking her own advice. Mm-hmm. And there's also a lot of, I made a list of like the hallmarks of Ott's girlhood that I spotted in this book. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. But one that I didn't write down was constant attempts at self-improvement through magazines. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's very good. Which is something she does a lot. So the big thing about this book is both her dealing with her frustrations with her friends and with school and with her identity and self-confidence and her having this intense crush on a boy named Robbie, who she has maybe exchanged 10 to 20 words with total. Mm -hmm. She refers to him as the sex god. And and she has boys who come in and out of her life and she's trying to figure out like, what even are boys? Mm Mm-hmm. I still ask myself that question. Yeah, so that's so that's pretty much <laughs> the entirety of the book. So is it a romance? It kind of is. Okay. Do you consider the Princess Diaries a romance? I do, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do because it leaves on a note where you're like, oh yeah, like mm-hmm. they're eventually gonna grow up enough to say hey I like yeah (laughs) let's go on a date um and I but I and I really didn't want more than that Mm -hmm. from those characters at the time yeah um the thing that I had sort of forgotten about the book is how different from the movie it is Mm -hmm. and you saying that about the format the diary format that really, really struck me on this reread where it was like, oh, someone's here. Gotta go. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so they're knocking at the door and you're like, I better finish writing this sentence before I go get it. Like that kind of thing is just funny to me. The diary is so personified. Yes. Yes. Um, And you sent me a really great TikTok about like the sanitization, the Disneyfication of mm-hmm. the Princess Diaries and I was looking at it and it was turned into a movie very quickly after it was published. So it it came out in October of 2000, the mm-hmm. book, and then it was released, the movie was released 
at the end of July 2001. Wow, that is a very quick turnaround. Yeah, um, really wild. Um, I was really surprised by that. Um, so I've seen the movie way more often and more mm-hmm. recently than I had read it before I did this reread. And, you know, it's like um, she didn't know her dad. Her dad's dead. And, like, she has this grandma who's, like, you know, kind of strict. But it's Julie fucking Andrews. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And that is really not the vibe of the book. So in the book, her dad's alive. Mm-hmm. Have, like, a decent but not close relationship. She sees him in the summers. He dates models. Uh, mm. she suspects that he never was interested in marrying her mother even like despite pregnancy his full intention is to get married and like father children and Mia would never even have to know about the yeah. situation um, however he gets testicular cancer and he's down to one ball and the radiation has rendered him sterile so it's like well you gotta tap in kid and uh it's just like funny because he's like he talks about his inability to have like healthy relationships with women (laughs) (laughs) hilarious to me it's also set in new york versus the movie being set in san francisco that to me was the weirdest change yeah and i think that was just to make it more like less gritty Hmm. um so like in the book there they encounter like a flasher in the park and (laughs) there's like a guy in their neighborhood who pretends to be blind so that he can feel up tourists and he's yeah so there's like in the book ends with this guy feeling up the grandmother wow Um, so the and the grandmother is no julie andrews she's like uh, chain smoking um dieting she's got tattooed eyeliner which uh, she got during a manic episode after <laughs> Princess Grace's death. Yes. Okay, I yes. that has been burned in my memory <laughs> since childhood. Yeah. Um, and she's like very nasty kind of in a way that mm-hmm. I enjoy, but it's like that's not the energy that, that Disney was giving. More Shirley MacLaine than Julie Andrews. Yes, very mm-hmm. much so. Yeah. She like really encourages and loves like the high school drama that that mm-hmm. Mia gets into. Um the whole like Josh Richter thing where she's like obsessed with the cool guy in school and then he kind of uses her for his 15 mm-hmm. minutes of fame and there's a lot of like drama about that. In the book, she's like, I told Grandma all about, you know, the drama with Josh Richter. And she's like, it has everything that Grandma loves, which is like <laughs> trail and rich people and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> um, but the video that you that you sent was like pointing out those differences, the ways that it's like been a little bit sterilized by, mm-hmm. by Disney. And then she goes, we'll link this video in mm-hmm. the show notes. Um, the the tiktoker goes on to talk about how the books are about like a a woman a young woman whose ethics and morals are like at odds with this royal role that she's been thrust into and she really frames her as like this sort of socially aware activist and that may come across later in the series because there are 11 books but that is not that is a very generous interpretation of at least the Mia of book one, mm. which is like very, she's at this very affluent high school. They have like a wonderful apartment in New York that her dad pays for. So her mom can be this artist and um, at her school, it's like, so her pet thing is being vegetarian, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't really address a lot of the issues that she that are taking place around her in new york right um uh, and then at her school there is uh right across the street hose deli where they often get lunch and like the cool kids go and get their packs of cigarettes and stuff 
And Lily Moskovitz, her best friend, goes over there to get lunch one day and gets the same thing as an Asian student who's in front of her. And the Asian student's total comes to five cents less than Lily's total. And she goes, racism, racism. (laughs) And has a leads a tries to lead a boycott of this family owned immigrant owned deli because they are showing preference quote unquote to asian students and like leads this huge campaign against it and to me that's like that is not the the description that this tiktok video was giving of her you know like it just seemed it was it was like social justice warrior kind of energy um so I thought that was a little gracious to, to describe her that way. So in book one, she does get the bribe with the donations to Greenpeace, right? She does. Yeah. yeah. So she um, gets $100 a day Wow. for doing princess lessons with her grandmother. Hmm. I don't know. I just don't think that makes her like... A hero <laughs> yeah <laughs> i remember her activism coming off as i don't know i didn't have the language around this at the time when i read it but as superficial i yeah. definitely wouldn't have thought about the whole um look at all the other problems around you that you could be helping with thing yeah and that's maybe like why it was an easy move for disney to put it in san francisco because that's kind of the pop culture idea of san francisco like they Mm -hmm. leaned into making her crunchy and obviously the world is on fire Mm -hmm. so like mia was right (laughs) (laughs) about you know the environment being a cause that we should be aware of but uh it being like her only cause Mm -hmm. at the time is certainly interesting yeah for sure and i i think it's important to the book aging well and still being funny that we recognize that her activism is so superficial mm-hmm. um and oh my god like the amount of words devoted to her lamenting having no breasts is insane and like it it makes sense because i remember being worried about that um but I also wonder if, like, part of the reason I was worried about it is because I read this book. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do, because I thought about how much of my personality was I was just copying Georgia mm. in this book because so much of it resonated with me. And it's like, which came first? Like, those traits or me seeing them in Georgia and emulating them? Like, what traits? Um... I mean, Georgia's sense of humor is absurd. Mm-hmm. And it's like she she has to know that she is out of pocket, right? Mm-hmm. Like, certainly she must. Um, and it's this mix of taking herself very seriously. But you wonder if she does because she has to know the things she's saying are completely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And her, like thinking that yoga was going to bring her inner peace and then she like can't commit to doing it Mm -hmm. um and her like Mia probably getting very righteously indignated over things that are trivial yes that is a great way to put it yeah like the five cent thing Mm -hmm. um Georgia and her friends are very preoccupied by the fact that they have to wear these berets to school just down the way to school they can take them off later and they have full-on meetings before the school year about like the beret situation and how they're (laughs) going to wear them to minimize the aesthetic impact like you know pinning it to the very back of their head so they're technically (laughs) wearing it yeah and that reminds me a lot of what i was like Mm -hmm. yeah and it It strikes me now how I might have a a hard time writing from that perspective as an Mm -hmm. adult. Um, And maybe it's easier, like, if you have teenage children and, like, more access to that, Mm -hmm. like, mental state. Because, but it is, it's like, 
part of your psychological development to become an asshole, <laughs> which yeah. is to be like completely self preoccupied and to have this sense of the, the an imaginary audience that's like observing you at mm-hmm. all times and like uh critiquing your appearance and you know all the minutia mm-hmm. so that really struck me on the reread um also i just really enjoyed reading a book that um it, it, I mean, all the pop culture references were pop culture references like of my youth and childhood. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like what? Just, just like the different movies and shows that they mm-hmm. reference. So like they do this thing throughout where when they're bored, they ask each other like if, you know, if it was the end of the world and you had to pick like one companion, you know, to like help you repopulate mm-hmm. or whatever. And the people they would be comparing were like, Josh Richter, the totally hottest boy in school, or Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> like young Leo, you know. Um, uh, and what's what was another one? Well, Leo would definitely not go for them now. Oh no! At Maybe the then. age that they are, At then yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just the people that they were like picking between, like mm-hmm. the people who were. Oh, and Prince William was still hot then. <laughs> that's that's a whole thing that even i forgot until recently shown photos of what he used to look like right he was a total babe everyone felt bad for harry yeah like the unsightly one yeah and then diana just like yanked that back from the grave she was like (laughs) none of my none of my dna is yeah, gonna survive into inbreeding genes to just jump out um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah and i it just also reminded me a lot of like how rigid the social hierarchy could be mm-hmm. um and i i'm assuming that's kind of like a universal like american high school thing but it actually it was, just... was not my really experience. yeah um I there was definitely a hierarchy at school there were groups but I tended to be part of in a fringe way lots of different groups so I had friends in the nerdy groups and I had super popular friends and I had most of my friend group was from marching band but yeah I I didn't really feel like there were a lot of mean girls at my school middle school was a whole other situation but Mm -hmm. i i don't feel like the clicks were that clicky yeah i didn't feel an experience of like like it didn't feel like a caste system to me Mm -hmm. but i it was very clear like okay these are the popular people Mm -hmm. and like but what really does like that even mean right um because like most people I know weren't friends with them you know so Mm -hmm. it's like what makes what is it that makes them popular it's like the sense of power and like beauty um it's just that the whole concept like ooh, they're popular it's just Mm -hmm. such like a funny thing Um, yeah it's bizarre it is I was gonna bring up something else about Mia but now I can't remember what it was well until you remember it tell me about Michael in the book um so he's not at all like the movie michael (laughs) and i there are a few things that have made me quite as mad as when princess diaries 2 the movie started Mm -hmm. she was like oh this is what happened last year just to refresh you on what was in the first movie oh and Mm -hmm. michael we're just friends now what (laughs) (laughs) oh fucking enraged (laughs) um it was like a similar feeling to when edward and bella finally consummate things and like it's totally fade to black and i'm Mm -hmm. flipping the page back and forth it's like what the fuck have you just hoodwinked us um so michael in the book is a senior she is a freshman um he has clearly has pants feelings for her Mm. and heart feelings for her the whole time yeah um and she's 
you know, pretty much oblivious to it. He gets like all fussy when she talks about how great Josh Richter is mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And he, you know, shows up to the dance and like is her stand in date when she tells Josh Richter to fuck off. He's really smart. Um, he and Lily are both like hyper intelligent and both of their parents are psychoanalysts which mm-hmm. was like really funny to me when I was doing this reread mm-hmm. like Lily's always diagnosing people um he offers to help her with tutoring for algebra which she's failing um and really like helps her bring her grade up frankly and uh at the end she goes over there after the dance and uh he takes her to his room and like plays a song for her like reveals that he's like secretly been learning guitar and like writing music and stuff Mm. and it's called the song's called tall drink of water i think and it's like about this like very tall beautiful girl who he likes and doesn't she doesn't know that he likes him or whatever and uh mia's just like i think he's a really talented musician (laughs) like not clearly it's not registering that it's like meant to be about her Mm -hmm. um but yeah we like michael good and i don't know how many of the princess diaries books you read after the first one i know that i read at least the second one but i certainly did not make it deep into the series um I read through, um, I did not make it to Party Princess, so I read the first six. Let's see if I can figure out how many I read, because her relationship with Michael in the books is ongoing, but I don't know how long they stay together, if they're endgame or not. Yeah, the, the last one appears to be called Royal Wedding, mm. so let's, yeah, she marries him that's adorable yeah i love that 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 makes me kind of want to read the rest of it i know (laughs) what but here's another crazy thing that when i was looking stuff up about this Mm -hmm. meg cabot quotes the series inspiration on her website stating quote i was inspired to write the princess diaries when my mom after the death of my father began dating one of my teachers they later went on to get married just as Mia's mom does in the book. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like, holy shit. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. That was a funny thing in the book, too. Um, the way that Mia's dad, while not interested in Mia's mom, is still like kind of threatened by mm-hmm. uh, Mr. G and like doesn't like when she gets all dressed up to go on dates and he's like around (laughs) i feel like in hindsight because i completely forgot her dad was alive and then when you mentioned it the stuff about the testicular cancer came Mm -hmm. back i kind of feel like robert downey jr vibes from him Hmm. and i don't know especially like sharing the inappropriate like things about his relationship and like his feelings like kind of trauma dumping on his kid yeah i don't know and i feel like he Robert also could play that is very dominated by grandma mm. um like grandma is the one in the book who outs mia as princess mm. like Mia's trying to go through school and like not have it be a thing she tells the press so that there's like a whole thing and and mia's blindside and everyone's like so upset and mia's mom is like you know who fucking did this? Your mother did this. <laughs> and he's like, what? My mother would never do that. Blah, 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 blah. And she's like, just ask her. And he's like, I don't need to ask her. And then later on, Mia figures it out, like weeks later, and she calls her dad and she's like, dad, mom was right. It was grammar. He's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, we have a very complicated relationship. <laughs> wow. But Anne Hathaway's narration is great. And so for Grandma and for um, Mia's dad, she does like a French accent. Because um, oh. I, I think they're meant to speak French in Genovia. Mm-hmm. Um, not all of her like voice work is, and all of her accents are like awesome, but I really enjoy the, the 
the French accents that she does for the dad. And there was no um, bodyguard romance for Grand Mare, was there? No. Um, she does have a bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has to bring him to school. His name is Lars. And she starts hanging out with Tina Hakim Baba, who is like a sheikh's daughter at her school. And mm-hmm. she also has a bodyguard. And everyone always made fun of her for being a weirdo and having to have a bodyguard. So then Mia's like, wow, I feel really shitty for treating her like a weirdo because mm-hmm. now I'm also a weirdo with a bodyguard. And so they'll sit at a table together and they talk about romance novels because Tina is very into them. And then the two bodyguards are like, they become friends and they're like always comparing like weapons and tactical strategies <laughs> and stuff like that. I love that. There is no romance for Grandmare in it. Um, but it's not like a sad thing because she's so like she's just like a a sharp pocket knife like Mm -hmm. we don't need her to be cuddly and it's better that way she's not mourning her dead husband oh god no No. yeah (laughs) (laughs) that reminds me of the tv show rain after king what's it dies and Catherine is just having affairs up and down the castle and people are like but henry just died and she's like henry's dead i live (laughs) (laughs) hell yeah yeah (laughs) Uh... so do you have a preference book or movie or are they just completely different animals to me they are completely different animals Mm -hmm. um i think that i could probably tolerate having like the movie experience more often just because Mm -hmm. it's like shorter and I don't have to pay close attention to it like I'm I'm not likely to reread this book a lot Mm -hmm. however I think that I I found the content more clever in the book Mm -hmm. and I think it held up on this on this reread I think it would be interesting if Princess Iris 3 happens and God, please let Chris Pine come back for it. I would fucking love that. <laughs> I I want to see their daughter. Ah, okay. And yeah. I think that they could do some of the clever, edgy stuff more mm-hmm. with Mia's offspring, especially mm-hmm. now because Gen Z is so like, like they are so smart and so aware and involved in shit that actually matters and is important and they are still assholes (laughs) and they still like seize on things like about millennials and Uh are just like very judgmental and find like totally like innocuous things just unforgivably cringe yeah and you'll see a lot of discourse about the boomerification of gen z but i just think that (laughs) they're a fascinating generation because there are so many contradictions and i think about this a lot and i wish i know knew who said it and i know i'm paraphrasing poorly but there's something about like gen z is the generation that'll punch a cop but will be too scared to ask for ketchup at a diner yeah i saw that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i saw that tweet and yeah, it's very true. And I think your point about like the next generation princess mm-hmm. diaries would be very interesting. And um, there was a spinoff series for tweens that mm. was with Mia's half sister. Oh, which as I assume must be like her mom and Mr. G's kid. Right. But it, her, her name's Olivia. And it's the book is called From the Notebooks of a Middle School Princess. And that came out in 2015. A new book called The Quarantine Princess Diaries is supposed to be published this month. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Mm-hmm. What is the description of that? It's on Amazon. Oh, it's already out? Well, it's listed on Amazon. Actually, okay. no, it is out. You can buy it right now on Kindle for $7 or paperback for $10. So the description reads... Mia Thermopolis knows just what to do in a crisis. Rule. During the COVID-19 pandemic, a section of the diary of Princess Mia Thermopolis of Genovia fell into the hands of Meg Cabot, the princess's royal biographer. 
As reported in media outlets such as Entertainment Weekly, The Mary Sue, Refinery29, Bustle, and more, from March until June of 2020, 16 entries of The Princess's Diary were linked onto Miss Cabot's blog to the delight of over a million fans. In these entries, titled The Coronavirus Princess Diaries, the princess recorded her most heartfelt emotions while dealing with her husband's quarantine after exposure to the virus, her personal and political battles while imposing health restrictions on her small European nation, life during lockdown, even in as idyllic a location as a palace on the Riviera, and of course, dealing with her demanding royal family, especially her grandmother. Since then, readers have been clamoring for more chapters of Mia's coronavirus diary, and here they are at last. The Quarantine Princess Diaries include not only the previously released entries, now edited and updated with new content, but 200 more pages of entirely original, never-before-seen entries, including the princess's worries over a possible royal affair, a showdown between Mia and Grand Mare over the latter's intended nuptials, an eventual development and distribution of a groundbreaking intranasal vaccine for every citizen in Genovia, oh, if only. <laughs> that was me interjecting if it wasn't clear. And as always, a royally happy ending. After all we've been through, what could be more comforting for any lover of royal romance than snuggling up with a brand new installment of the Diary of Mia Thermopolis, the princess who started it all? I love the meta angle of that, that Meg yeah. Cabot is her biographer. That's funny. So what are the odds you think that you would read more books in this series? In The Princess Diaries? Mm-hmm. Honestly, pretty low because I have so much that I need to be reading. Um, and impending having a child. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and things that I need to be writing. But um, I feel like I could do a deep dive reading all the spoilers to see what happens what happens yeah and i feel like yeah. i could do the same with the angus thongs and full frontal snogging series which is confessions of georgia nicholson because i want to say i read through okay so here are all the books in the series one angus thongs and full frontal snogging came out in 1999 according to wikipedia and 2000 according to goodreads Two, it's okay, I'm wearing really big knickers, slash, on the bright side, I'm now the girlfriend of a sex god, which is the U.S. title. <laughs> Three, knocked out by my nunga nungas. Four, dancing in my nudie pants. <sighs> Five, and that's when it fell off in my hand, the U.K. title, and the U.S. title, away laughing on a fast camel. Six, <laughs> okay. then he ate my boy in trancers. Seven. Okay, I think I might have the last one I read might have been away laughing on a fast camel. Okay. Um, but boy and trancers, I feel like that's fake eyelashes. So either that phrase was used earlier in the series, or I might have read that one as well. Okay. Seven startled by his furry shorts. <laughs> Eight love is a many trousered thing in the UK, and love is a many trousered thing in the US. Nine stop in the name of pants. And then what I assume is the last book, at least on Wikipedia, 10, Are These My Bazoomas I See Before Me, released in 2009. Wow. So that's a book a year, a decade of Georgia. Um, and Wikipedia says the setting exists in a floating timeline. She's 14 in the first novel and only 15 when the series ends. Interesting. Mm -hmm. hmm. Okay. So are we ready to get into this series or this book in the series? Yeah. Okay. So Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging is about a girl named Georgia who goes to an English girl's school and she thinks her parents are ridiculous. She has a little sister named Libby who is a very eccentric and gross toddler who she loves very much. And she has a cat named Angus who is the size of a dog and who eats anything and everything and terrorizes the neighborhood and has to be walked on a leash um, <laughs> and frequently attacks everyone in the family, strangers, just a menace. Um, so she, it starts in the summer and 
some of the things that occur to her during that summer are she tries to pluck her eyebrows can't deal with the pain of it decides she's going to take her dad's razor oh god um is describing like well now this one's a little bit thinner than the other one so i need to even them out and then she has no eyebrows uh-huh she is oh gosh she is completely unbothered by her parents trying to talk to her about how their financial situation is troublesome and how her dad might be laid off at work she's like yeah yeah whatever which is fascinating (laughs) to me because i was very much preoccupied with my family's finances at that Mm -hmm. age Mm -hmm. um and her friend jazz who she is so mean to and clearly thinks is a fucking idiot Mm -hmm. uh she falls for this guy named tom who works at his family's Green grocer come delicatessen. Mm-hmm. And they all make this plan that they're going to go in and Jazz is going to buy something there. And the other girls are going to casually run into her and run in and be like, oh my God, Jazz, it's so good to see you. You're so smart. You're so funny. You're so popular. We love you so much. In front of Tom, who's just trying to bag groceries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Georgia meets tom's older brother robbie the sex god and he comes out and brings tom some tea and this is a separate occasion when georgia is visiting to chat up tom about jazz Mm -hmm. and robbie says to tom i can't let my little brother slave away all day and talk to pretty girls without bringing him tea and kind Mm -hmm. of winks at georgia and she um if she hasn't fully gone through puberty yet, does like complete the process in that moment. <laughs> and, <laughs> and completely short circuits. And now her whole life is about this boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's a great thing about how they're going to go to this party that Robbie's going to be at. And maybe they should all learn how to kiss before then Mm -hmm. so there's this boy who like gives kissing lessons in the neighborhood between 4 and 6 30 p.m when his parents get home and there's this whole debate over is that prostitution it's like (laughs) it's just kissing and he doesn't charge so (laughs) she goes and gets kissing lessons from this boy and then so is that her first kiss then yes and (laughs) she she's out and about with her sister Libby in her stroller and they're having a great time and they run into Robbie and she's thinking about like oh he's so nice to children and they had just been talking about how Libby was the queen so Libby says to Robbie I am the queen and then Robbie says are you and then Libby says yeah and Georgia did a big poo this morning (laughs) (laughs) And Robbie kind of stutters and scampers off and Georgia is suicidal over it. (laughs) And I think that at the party, I was listening to the audiobook and was a little distracted during this part, but I think at the party, she and the kissing instructor kind of meet up and they go and kiss in some bushes and Mm -hmm. Robbie and his girlfriend, Lindsay, run into him and Robbie's very judgmental about it so she goes from having this big crush on him to thinking like he's kind of a judgmental asshole mm-hmm. and what's he doing with Lindsay anyway she's she's so wet like everything about her she's just like a wet person okay. <laughs> like, yeah and you know she should never wear her hair up because she's got enormous ears Jeez, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of body critiques mm-hmm. in princess diaries too yeah in this there's a lot of that there's one scene where jazz and georgia go and spy on Lindsay, and they look out her window at her changing oh my god for like an exceeding i mean any amount of time is too long but for like an exceed (laughs) exceeding amount of time to the point that they know that she wears a thong that she puts chicken cutlets into her bra Mm-hmm. and that this ring that she wears on her engagement ring finger that she says that Robbie gives to her she takes off before she sees Robbie and she kisses the ring so they see this whole thing 
happen. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So then Jazz has a conversation with Robbie about how Lindsay pretends that they're engaged because she wears this ring at school, but doesn't wear it about Robbie. And Robbie's like, oh, that's interesting. But he's still running around with Lindsay. And throughout this, they have such few interactions. And most of them are Robbie being like, nice company you keep about whatever guy George is currently making out with. Mm-hmm. Um, one is kind of like a ruffian who gets into a fight at Robbie's band's concert. Mm-hmm. So it's like the boys from the more posh school are fighting the boys from the rougher school. Okay. So they're just very mean to each other. And then randomly one day he kisses her. And then mm-hmm. they're kissing on other occasions. But he's still with Lindsay. Hmm. And he's he like doesn't know what he's going to do. And it's all very like messy. And I just kept thinking upon this reread. How did this happen? Because I don't think that you have said more than 20 words to each other. <laughs> how How is it that you have both created in your minds this melodrama between you when you have interacted so little? Like, mm-hmm. There is a part where Georgia says to Jazz, because Robbie invites her out for coffee, and Georgia thinks that it's because he likes Jazz now, but it's because he wants to talk to her about getting back together with his little brother. Okay. Georgia has this meltdown and tells Jazz, like, after everything that you know that I've been through with Robbie, and it's like, what exactly? <laughs> <laughs> You mean your non-existent relationship? Yes. (laughs) And so that is one of the things that I unfortunately related to. I know. (laughs) Why is that such a thing? This like whole mythology of (laughs) relationship. Yeah. Wow. On more than one occasion with more than one boy, but there is one who comes to mind in particular who I had this entire fantasy of before I'd ever even spoken to him. Mm-hmm. And then we had a very fraught friendship later on after we did speak. And um, <laughs> you watched you go back kept, to that not talking. That was someone who kept coming up, by the way, when I was doing EMDR, where I was randomly like having dreams about this guy who I haven't talked to in like, I thought that I that like I hadn't talked to him in longer than it actually had been and that we had left off our friendship on very bad terms. But apparently we did at some point have like a conversation on social media that was very cordial Hmm. and just casual like, hey, what have you been up to? So I don't know, like this guy would come into my head for no reason. And I told my therapist about I'm happily married. I'm very pregnant. (laughs) I'm pretty sure he's got like, 50 children with his <laughs> lovely wife um i'm not on facebook so i literally like don't even see him on social media mm-hmm. and i was talking to my therapist about it and i think that what we just established was that my brain really wanted me to deal with the first time that i felt really deeply rejected mm. in a way that was like i i really wanted someone to pick me Mm-hmm. so yeah whoa <laughs> yeah so whoa. yeah that got deep just now but it was just like so random at the time mm-hmm. but so recurrent yeah so you knew <laughs> so, there had to be something there yeah so it was like that was the target memory that I went to mm-hmm. which was you know, being rejected by someone who, because of the mythology that I had created in my head, by all rights should be mine. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like um, this sort of like mythology of a relationship, this fantasy that um, I would make about like people that I had a crush on. Mm -hmm. It really had very little to do with that actual person. Mm -hmm. Yes. It was more about uh, feeling validated and worthy and, and chosen, like you said. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like this person is so great, even though I don't know them and I've spoken to them twice. Yeah. If they want to be with me, then I'll know that I'm, like, really worth something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, you saying people makes me think of how I had the same kind of like have never spoken to this person before crush on a girl freshman year of college. And the first time that I saw her was at the school did an annual drag show, Mm -hmm. which is awesome and cool and was not like a thing to be weird about Republicans. And that hurts no one and bothers no one. Yeah. And I saw her sitting in the row in front of me. She turned around and like, I had immediate heart eyes. (laughs) And... If you hadn't gone through puberty, you would have completed (laughs) it in that moment. (laughs) Yeah. And like, (laughs) I cannot tell you how many times I was through mutual friends introduced to this girl and she never had any memory of having met me at all. Oh, that hurts. Embarrassing. That is so wounding. (laughs) Yes. It was a hard blow to my ego. It's like, not only do you not have these kind of fantasies about me, you don't even remember yeah. a person that you've met. Yeah. And the funny thing is that at graduation, mm-hmm. four years later, she was sitting in the same row as me because I guess we had mutual friends. And at the time I was engaged, I was going to be married <laughs> like literally two weeks from then. And I was just thinking what a funny full circle moment. It yeah. was. Yeah. Like, this girl still literally has no idea who I am. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So also, for me, like the the high school crushes thing and like middle school crushes thing, it was sometimes like like I like I mentioned, it didn't really have a ton to do with the other person. Mm-hmm. Um Sometimes it was like so completely arbitrary that it was like, I'm bored. Mm-hmm. Who's someone I can become obsessed with? So I have yeah. something to think about. Yeah. Is that like a sociopath behavior? <laughs> is if it normal? is, then I am also a sociopath. <laughs> okay. We're now the united group of middle school sociopaths. The most fun thing was when I had multiple completely hypothetical fantasy relationships with several boys at a time in high school (laughs) you hypothetical slut (laughs) yes i was a hypothetical whore in high school (laughs) and like it is not lost on me that i named the hero in my first book after a boy who i did have a completely hypothetical relationship (laughs) who like was very flirty with me at one new year's eve party continued to flirt with me for several weeks after that nothing came of it and then he got together with his ex-girlfriend who he then married so it was very much like that was a moment in time that i let slip past (laughs) and can never have back oh my god yeah it's really funny because in princess diaries like mia's obsession with josh richter is very much the same way Mm -hmm. like they have no conversations like the things that he says to her are like can i get through here like to get to his locker (laughs) and there's a moment where they run into him on summer break or something uh at a grocery store Mm -hmm. and he sees them and he like smiles at Mia mm-hmm. and she's like, he saw to my soul. <laughs> and Lily's like, no, he didn't. He had a brain misfiring because he saw you, thought you looked kind of familiar, but couldn't place you. And so just like smiled. <laughs> and then that- later on, when she realizes that Josh Richter is a cunt, she's like, that day, it was a brain misfiring. <laughs> Mm. like i see it now yeah that is what i thought was happening at this new year's eve party it was very Mm -hmm. much like why are you talking to me Mm -hmm. six foot tall dark-haired blue-eyed lacrosse player who's a year older than me and has very cool friends like sex god (laughs) who put you up to this he was like by all like accounts a nice boy like a genuinely mm-hmm. nice boy so it wouldn't have been some kind of bet situation mm-hmm. and meanwhile mm-hmm. my best friend sarah was cock blocking the whole time because like i 
I kind of had a boyfriend at the time. Like we broke oh, up like a week no. later. Yeah, I was a whore. <laughs> Hypothetically. <laughs> Hypothetically, I was a whore. Anyway, so the book ends with Robbie and Georgia do get together and Georgia's dad, who is in New Zealand currently trying to find new work opportunities, um, he, Georgia's mom takes her saying like, yeah, we could go see dad. It's fine. Takes it to heart and goes and buys plane tickets. And now Georgia, who finally got her sex god, Mm -hmm. has to spend the summer in New Zealand wow and that's a cliffhanger of the book and i know that for at least several books it's all like the back and forth of her and robbie's relationship with other boys coming in and out so how old is robbie meant to be robbie is almost 18 he says and georgia is 14 and that is the reason that he initially gives why this couldn't work which I don't know how old Lindsay is meant to be. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, that's the same like timeline for Mia and Michael. Mm-hmm. How do we feel about that? Bad. <laughs> yeah, I we feel, feel bad, bad about that. Yeah. I feel like like these books did put in our heads that that was an acceptable age gap. Yeah, that was frankly a minimal age gap because, mm-hmm. like, if we're going in a, the Twilight direction, yeah, which I was shortly thereafter, and then um, an, I recently reread a, another YA book that I had read in the past that I read. It came out in the late '90s, so it was I was a little bit younger. I want to say I was like, I don't know, nine mm-hmm. when I read it. Um, the main character, uh, we, we meet her when she's 12. The main adventures of the book happen when she's 16. She's in love with uh, another character who's a sorcerer. Mm-hmm. And he is e- around like 22 mm-hmm. and in human years. But in his in real years, he's like a hundred years old mm. so like there were so many seeds planted in the content i was consuming that it was like totally fine to have like a much older much more powerful like man mm-hmm. with like a young impressionable vulnerable girl which is just that whole girls mature faster than boys mm. stereotype turned up to 11 yeah yeah the adultification of young girls while also fetishizing their youthful naivete right right man i fucking hate that (laughs) yeah um here's another list including things that i hate some things that like are pretty neutral but here are some of the aughts girlhood hallmarks that i spot in this book uh casual fat phobia casual Mm -hmm. lesbophobia paired with an extreme fascination with lesbians interesting yeah okay um xenophobia through stereotypes that might even be presented as compliments like georgia wishing that she had monolids Hmm. Um, interesting okay girl hate a must-have oh yeah that that is a must-have the villain if you will is a a girl Mm -hmm. in (laughs) princess diaries Insta love, mm-hmm. projecting positive and negative attributes onto a boy you've barely, if ever, spoken to. Yep, yep, yep. Catastrophic beautification attempts. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that does it for Robbie as they're having a conversation over whether or not they can do this because he thinks that she's too young for him is that she had bleached a white streak in her hair in the front with regular old peroxide from the medicine cabinet Mm -hmm. and she was judging her hair nervously and it snapped off in her (gasps) hand and oh my god for some reason robbie was just charmed by this and was like you're real fucking weird and then was like yeah let's go out which so the thing that snapped (laughs) off in her hand was her hair yes (laughs) her hair snapped off in her hand is that the the second book oh no that's um 
several books later. So I don't know what, I don't know what that means. And that's when it fell off in my hand. Oh, okay. Okay. It's book five. All right. So it's not, that was not referring to her hair. Okay. (laughs) We, I mean, we have to have like a makeover scene, Mm -hmm. obviously, in any of these. There was a lot of trying to like camouflage her shaving her eyebrows off. Mm-hmm. Um, preoccupation with sexual milestones. Yes. And the last one, which I think is the most distressing one, extremely nonchalant reaction to being sexually harassed or experiencing non-consensual touch. And I yeah. don't know anyone who hasn't experienced that who's my age, who like someone like grabbed their boob and they were just kind of confused about it. Yep. And we're just like, I punched a guy in the face who did that, which was fun. But like, other than that, the very first time I saw a penis was against my will in the school parking lot when this like asshole guy just like whipped it out. He was a friend of mine for some reason. And like, (sighs) we were just walking across campus and he decided like, hey, look over here. There is a penis. And my reaction was like, jail. Ew, you're so gross. And that was it. Not like really deeply pondering the fact that I was just exposed to something that I did not ask for at all and that it was horribly inappropriate. That is very upsetting. Yes. Yeah. I mean, in this book, like I said, Mia's seen a flasher in the Mm -hmm. park and they're just like, ah ew gross and like it's funny because she talks about her mom getting really upset about it Mm -hmm. um but yeah I mean of course it's like the number of times that I was like grabbed or touched in a way I didn't like and was just like like confused by it instead Mm -hmm. of like being rightfully upset (laughs) oh my gosh I did punch a guy in the face though good good yeah I at make out already. We condone violence against boob grabbers. This was a crotch grab. It double violence for a crotch grab. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got non-consensually touched in the belly. It happened. Oh, no. Yeah. So wait, was this the first time? Yeah. The I mean the other first time was just like a quick like drive-by pat by one of my drive by Pat by one of my best friends who was coming to the baby shower and I was like you know what if someone is gonna cross that boundary and I'm gonna shrug it off it's her okay okay she she can touch my belly that's fine Um, so did you punch this person (laughs) no but I did both the hand removal and then the very overtly rubbing their belly nice Mm -hmm. how did that go both It went well, but the person laughed and I wanted them to be embarrassed about what they did. (laughs) Maybe they were laughing because they were embarrassed. Anyway, so this has been our time travel back into YA books of our youths. Yeah. And now it's digging up some trauma. (laughs) Yeah, there's lots to unpack there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Many questions about how... (laughs) How books influence us both positively and negatively. However, we should be allowed to read these books freely. And um, on this subject, I'll go ahead and include a link to most recent Faded Mates episode where they have a lot of resources to deal with the book banning that's happening since Mm -hmm. we're talking about YA and this is affecting that demographic but also oh, yes. will be affecting all of us. And if you're a fan of romance or write romance, they're coming for us too. So oh, what a hell go ahead and segue into that <laughs> and then go process what these books have brought up for us. <laughs> <laughs> so before we sign off, mm-hmm. is there another YA that you would be interested in rereading? Yes, the one that I was going to read today, but instead I took a very long nap on my replacement Tempur-Pedic mattress. Hell yeah. Our warranty. Um, Lola Carlisle's 12-Step Romance by Danielle Young-Ullman. And 
I think I read that one in college. So it wasn't strictly, I wasn't that age Mm -hmm. that the book was the target of, but there are definitely things already that I think I would take issue with the same way that I took with this book that will be interesting to explore again. How about you? Well, the other one I I did read was um, The Two Princesses of Bamar by Gail Carson Levine. She wrote Ella Enchanted. And I think she also did um, readings of the book like on Facebook Live or Mm. something during like lockdown. Um, It's, uh, I found that it, I wasn't able to enjoy the reread in the same way that I enjoyed the Princess Diaries reread. There was no like extra level of it um, available like to an adult reader. Mm. And it did, yeah, that's the one where she's like very interested in the hundred year old sorcerer. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, this is this is showing me things. This is mm-hmm. explaining a lot. That was my main takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> but I I still maintain that I like I have a lot of the same interests. Mm-hmm. So like I'm watching Shadow and Bone right now. I love a adventure fantasy romance. Mm-hmm. And that's what this book was, yeah. even though I didn't know it at the time. And there's like, definitely yeah. a powerful man age gap in yeah. Shadow and Bone. Yeah, and I that still like it! We're fine with that one. <laughs> yeah. I'm not ready to analyze that yet. That's fine. That, <laughs> we, we don't have to. We can just like things sometimes. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> oh wow well this has been an airing of our of our childhood wounds is this podcast not that <laughs> in general yeah, yeah you're right yeah so let, let's wrap this up um until next time air kisses <laughs>